0: Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. We're going to look at different encounters that people have with the Lord um, uh, across across the summer um, because our priority has to be His presence. It's easy to do stuff and not prioritize His presence. It's easy to get busy and be on our travels and be in our flow and not take time for the presence of the Lord. And so today I really want us to dive into one of my favorite stories about an encounter that a man had with the Lord. Um, and that was um, Jacob and um, so we're going to continue to highlight these different encounters over the summer. Um, and this is Jacob's first encounter. You know, how many of you know Jacob is the grandson of Abraham? Okay, so we have Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And of course, Jacob's name means deceiver. He's a deceiver, taken after his mom. And his uncle, tricksters, right? Manipulative, pulling fast ones on people, right? And so we see that um, in this story, we're going to be in, in uh, oh, did I even write down the chapter? Well, hallelujah, where's my Bible? I, I, I want to I recall it from memory, but I also don't want to have you write down the wrong Yeah. Okay. I was right. <laughs> yeah. 28. Genesis 28. Okay. So we're in Genesis 28. Um, and right now the situation for Jacob is pretty bleak. Right? It is not good because Jacob has a twin named Esau. Okay. Jacob in the previous chapter steals the blessing from Esau. Esau was born first, and as the firstborn twin, he, he gets the firstborn blessing. It was really important, right? The, the blessing of the firstborn was the legacy of the family. Really rested on the firstborn. And so what was really, what's really interesting here is that um, he gets really bad advice from his mother all the time right? Because his mom's like, well, actually, why don't you cook a pot of stew? And so he ends up getting, getting the blessing from Esau over some food, because Esau was famished from hunting. Jacob was not a hunter, right? Jacob, Jacob was, not, uh, was not a burly dude, okay? So he ends up stealing the birthright, and then he goes and disguises himself. And, he, and Esau, I guess, was really hairy, because he was able to put, like, goat fur on, because his dad was blind, right? Put goat fur on and be stanky and show up and be like, I'm your son Esau. You know, like, tries to, like, be Esau. And, and you know, Isaac ends up giving Jacob Esau's blessing. And it says that Esau comforted himself because he determined to kill him. That's intense hatred. He comforted himself. The loss, he's like, well, it's going to be mine anyways because I'm going to kill this kid. I'm going to kill my brother. That that was what was in Esau's heart. And, of course, you know, Jacob's mom sees all this going down and says, Jacob, you need to leave because this is not going to end well. You need to go. So go to my uncle, go to my brother's house, Laban, go to his house, right? And then stay there. And and what we'll tell Isaac is that none of the wives around here are good enough for you. So you need to go to this other place, to my house, and find yourself a wife, right? And how many of you know that the, the years, 14 years that Jacob spends with Laban getting deceived over and over and over, it's a family thing. Right? And so, um, so we see that Isaac sends Jacob to Laban so that he can find a wife, but mom's doing it because she knows Esau is going to kill him. Okay? And I don't know if Isaac's fully aware of all this stuff. Remember, he's pretty sedentary, he's blind, right? He's not getting around real well, okay? Now, one of the things that's interesting is that Jacob leaves, but first of all, you got to understand, he's on this journey, he's single, right? And when he leaves, he's only leaving with what he can carry. Maybe he's got a camel or, you know, a horse or something, but he's not taking wealth with him. He's not, because that's still Isaac's, right? Like, the way that it worked is if you left, you had to make it on your own. You weren't going to get a ton of supply from dad, you had to go figure your life. If you were going to leave the house, you had to go figure it out, right? So he's going, he's on his way, um, and, you know, his dad was still alive for another 20 years here after, after Jacob leaves. Um, so there's no, he's got this blessing of being able to have this inheritance that Isaac had created, but he's not going to receive that until his dad passes, Right? So, there's another 20 years for that. So, uh, we pick up Genesis 28, verse 10. I'm going to read a kind of a large chunk of Scripture here, and then we're going to just pick it apart a little bit and pull out some keys that I think that the Lord has for us today about His presence and about promises that God makes and promises that we make. Okay? So, are you with me? All right. Genesis 28, 10. I believe this is from the NIV. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he happened upon a particular place and spent the night there because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of the place and made it a support for his head and lay down in that place. And he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Then behold, the Lord was standing above it and said, I am the Lord God, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth Be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This is a dream. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, the Lord is certainly in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid The same word for awe, fear, that like awestruck, fear. He wasn't terrified or in terror, right? Just to clarify. And said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than Bethel or the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob got up early in the morning and took the stone that he had placed as a support for his head and set it up as a memorial stone and poured oil on its top. Then he named that place Bethel, but previously the name of the city had been Luz. Jacob also made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house, because listen, he was left with nothing. So, God, if you feed me and give me clothes to wear, I, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a memorial stone will be God's house, and of everything that you give me, I will assuredly give a tenth to you. All right. So, we're going to stop there. I there's a few points in this process that I kind of want to highlight. First off, number one, Jacob never earned his promises. Jacob never earned his promises from God. He never did it well enough to get a promise from God. He got a promise because of the promise that he had given to the grandfather. He got a promise because of a destiny that was on his life. The promise wasn't because of how good Jacob was. He'd been a liar, deceiver, was being, was about to be murdered because of his actions. We don't earn those promises. The promises that you have from the Lord, you don't earn. Jacob never earned his promises. The second thing is that You know, it's really interesting. God sanctifies locations. So it's really cool because, you know, it says that in verse 11, he happened upon a particular place, right? God sanctifies the location. We just happen to notice that he's there. Jacob, when he came to this certain place, It was in his brokenness that he came to this place, and then he doesn't even have a pillow, doesn't even have anything on him to rest his head on. So he grabs a rock for a pillow. Sounds like hard times. Anybody else been there where you're like, listen, the simple comfort of a pillow would be really nice, but I don't even have that. I think that it's really interesting that is sometimes in those places of real amazing discomfort that God shows up. Right? And sometimes we're running and we don't recognize the place that we're at until we rest. Right? We don't even know that we're in the presence of the Lord until we rest. Listen, God appears where we are on our journey, and He sanctifies the place and reveals Himself where you're at on your journey. If He had gone a different direction or had camped in a different spot, we'd probably be still having the same story because God meets us where we're at. The third point in this is that God meets us when we rest, right? It took sleeping on a rock pillow for Jacob to be ready, and God interrupted his sleep with a promise. God interrupted even his sleep, in his sleep while he was resting, gave him this promise. Now, Jacob's dream, I think, reveals three major elements of, of God's promises. Okay, number one, he reveals who he is. I am God, the Lord God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. I, I'm the that God. This is who I am. So whenever God is revealing something to us in these encounters, He's always revealing who He is. first. If we don't get a revelation for who He is, we might be missing what's happening. So he starts off with, "I am the Lord the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And then the next thing is that God not only reveals who he is, but he reveals Jacob's destiny. And in the midst of the brokenness, he had destiny revealed on it. He says, The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants, your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Right? Destiny. Destiny. God will give him the legacy and the territory that he promised Abraham. And the last thing that I think is really important just, just as far as things to keep in mind when you're having an encounter, he's going to reveal who he is. He's going to reveal more of your destiny, but then he promises his presence. I will be with you, and I will fulfill the work. I will be with you, and I will fulfill it. I will be with you, and I'm going to do it. I will be with you, and I'm going to do it. Many of us have, have, have spent a lot of time chasing promises We think we can figure it all out, strategize it, lay it all out. And God's like, no, actually, you know what? Just rest. I will be with you, and I will fulfill it. This is who I am. Right? This is who I am. He also says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bring you back here, and I'm going to fulfill all my promises. So we need to take note of this promise for us as we encounter God and consider the promises we've been given. In Christ, we have revealed to us who the Father is. Jesus Christ is a perfect representation of the Father. So in Christ, we might not have this type of encounter today because the Spirit of God is in us. We may have moments like this where we do have the heavens part and we see angels ascend and descend and we hear the voice of God. Amen? We're going to have those. But listen, in Christ has been revealed who the Father is. In Christ, he grants us the same legacy that was given to Jacob. In Christ, we are gonna see legacy through people and territory. Through people, through the legacy of who you sow into, whether it's your natural children, adopted children, spiritual children, those people that you're mentoring, discipling, that you're bringing up. And if you're not doing that right now, come on, let's get on it. Let's get on it, get involved in real life with people. Get dirty. Have some conflict. God restores, reconciles. Amen? Amen. So one of the things that I think is really important here is that God promises, promises legacy through you. I'm going to bless the earth. Oh, yeah, and I'm giving you this land. I've said it before, God's going to have to do a mighty act to get Meek and I to leave this region because He's given us a promise of the land, that this place will be radically known across the earth as heaven on earth, not just from the visual, because it is from the visual. It's like, oh, you know, unless you're from San Diego for the first year during a winter. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a different world. It's gorgeous here, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the manifestation of the presence of God in this place that is so powerful and so overwhelming that people from all over the world want to know what happened here. What happened here? Amen? Now, We also have this promise that God will be with us, right? Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit to guide, guard, and fulfill the will of God in our lives. So we have these same promises that were given to Jacob. At his first encounter with God, we have those same promises in Christ. I love that. I love that God is giving us so many things So many promises, and he says, listen, I am in you. I'm not just with you, I am in you. It's not like I'm just walking beside you. It is a divine partnership of my spirit intermingled with his spirit in this dramatic union that allows me to hear and move and do and say and mess it all up and come back and be okay because he's in me. I'm not just striving to be a better Christian. I'm walking with him. As are you. Amen? So Jacob wakes up, recognizes the magnitude of what just happened. He has to stop. Listen, we need to stop and recognize the moments when we meet with God. When we have a moment where God speaks... And God does something divine when His presence is tangible, when He walks into the room, we shouldn't become so familiar with the presence that we don't honor it. We want to live in His presence, we want to walk in His. Everything that we do is in His presence. And there's these tangible moments where he just touches. And we have to take a moment to honor that. Amen? And it's different for each of you. Right? There's no prescribed, all right, everybody, when you go home, build a monument. No. What we want to be able to do is take the moment and acknowledge who he is. And with gratitude and thanksgiving, give him praise. Build a monument in your heart and there might be a prophetic activity that God calls you to do to to just honor the Lord in a a different way. Do it. Whoa, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Surely the Lord did something here and I didn't see it, but I can see it now. Because I can see it now, I'm gonna honor him. The kind of the last big point of this whole thing is that Jacob makes a vow to himself after all that. Jacob makes a vow to himself. And let's just talk about vows. So, like we, we talk a lot about in deliverance ministry and inner healing, we talk a lot about inner vows. Vows that we make with ourselves that are not aligned with God. Okay? Like I'll never be like my father, and then I'm just like my dad. Right? It's like, like those types of vows um, actually bind us to the thing that we're actually supposed to be free from. So when we make the vow, we're actually linking ourselves to that thing that we want to get rid of. We we can even have those moments of like, oh, I don't want this, and so God, I'm never going to do that, or I'm never going to, and I, I, I'm, you know, and we even in our passion for the Lord will make vows that God's like, uh, I already took that, now you're attaching yourself back to it, right? And that's that's an unholy vow, right? And in those spaces in our lives where we have. Uh, uh, come into a space or come into a place where we said, I'm never, I will never, and I'm never going to, that's not, no, I, every time, I'm never, guys, we need to deal with that because oftentimes we are connecting ourselves to the thing that's limiting our destiny. We connect ourselves with the things that are limiting our destiny. Excuse me. Jacob here, he makes a vow. And people say, well, he made a vow to the Lord. No, he didn't make a vow to the Lord. He made an inner vow. If God does these things for me, then I will make him my God. Did you know God didn't sneeze at that? God didn't even like balk at it? Because God's the one who made the promise. God's like, all right, Jacob, great, then I'll be your God because I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. I think it's appropriate for all of us to make a vow. Some vows are really good. They actually bind us to the Lord instead of to the things that are out of alignment. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't make them flippantly. Don't do it, don't do it half-heartedly. But there are moments where we've not only, say have, have any of you had an encounter with the Lord and you came away going, I got to do X, Y, and Z? And you go like, God just told me to do something. Right? How many of you follow through 100% of the time on those? I haven't. I haven't. You know what word I've struggled with, and I'm so glad Lisa brought it up, was God, is, I was going to share this story. God is my personal trainer. Right? And you know what? He's asked, he's invited me into something, and I've not always treated it with the honor of the invitation that he's given it to me. And I can actually make a vow to myself and to the Lord that I will honor the Lord in what he has asked me to do. That's a healthy vow. It's not me performing. I'm just going to, I vow to partner with the Lord in what he's asked me to do. I, I'm, I'm watching deer in the headlights a little bit. You guys okay? Yeah. All right. Nobody's head's blown up. Okay, we're processing. That's good. Process away. Jacob receives this promise and he knows that if God does what God says he will do, going to take care of his needs, right? Give him clothing and food. He's going to keep him alive based on his brother's death threats. Like if I come back in safety, right? That was his his sentiment. Then he's going to serve God and give him a tenth of everything. Let me just say Tithing isn't about the law. Abraham did it. Jacob did it. We see it as a pattern of the righteous. It's just a pattern of you encounter God, and there's this one thing that we can do to give him that, all, all of, all, you know, trust him completely with every resource that comes our way. It's to give him the tithe, the tenth. Now, I know that's not, like, people really struggle with that, and I'm totally okay with the struggle. And you don't even have to agree with me, but don't tell me it's about the law. This way predates Moses. This is, it's an act of the heart, not an act of just radical obedience. So just, I, I just want to just throw that out there. Jacob's response to encountering God was I'm going to give him a tenth of everything. Abraham's response when he met the king of Shalom, the king of peace, when he met Melchizedek was, I'm giving you a tenth of everything. It's, it's a pattern that we see in Scripture, and there's righteous patterns that we should follow. Amen? Okay. If you feel like that's a a bondage around your neck, then don't tithe. Seriously, if you feel like it's bondage, then don't do it. And give as the Lord leads, because I guarantee you it's going to be a lot more than 10%. (laughs) I stopped giving 10% a long time ago. Because God led. Just saying. (laughs) Come on, hallelujah. All right. Hmm. Yeah. The one question that I feel like I, sh- I should ask is, have you made promises to yourself or promises to the Lord as a result of an encounter that you are not keeping? May- have you made promises to yourself or promises to the Lord as a result of an encounter with God? Where the Spirit of God moved you to do something, but you're not keeping your promise. I remember a moment in worship years ago. I was at a conference, and the Lord said, I want you to empty your savings into this ministry. Uh, Okay. And God said, Chris, you told me I had everything. Do I have everything? I'm like, I just want to make sure it's you. Like, I'm not just getting worked up because of a great message and a great mission and a great vision. And, you know, so, gosh, I got to call my wife and say, "Um, I feel like the Lord's asking me to empty the savings into this ministry. And, you know, how many of you know, you know, like, like men and women operate differently with money? Didn't know if you knew that. Okay, but, but, but women's, generally speaking, across the board, a primary concern for women is security, okay, and men love to strike gold and go adventure, yeah. right, and often, often it's the wisdom of the wife that prevents calamity in our go-getterness, okay, just saying, Sometimes the Holy Spirit's speaking and it's your wife. Okay. Stop ignoring that, church. Stop ignoring the wisdom of your wife. I, I just felt like that was just a real clear word. I don't know who that's for, but we bless you. Okay? Now, now the reality is that your wives hear God just as good as you do. Just as good. Just it might be different, but it's just as good. Sometimes they hear him better. So I submitted that to my wife. I didn't just write the check, but I submitted it to my wife, and she says, I'm not comfortable doing it in this moment. Come home, let's pray about it. It's, if it's from the Lord, we're not going to have a problem doing it later. Great. No problem, right? We come home, we pray, we end up giving a sizable amount, not the whole savings, But then within a month, we gave the largest donation that we have ever given to a different ministry because God wanted what was in her heart to be part of the emptying of the savings. We give space. What was the vow that I made? God, you have it all. I'm not going to withhold anything from you if you ask for it. That was the vow. And he had to remind me of the vow multiple times. Chris, you said, I could have it all. Oh, huh, that's a lot of money, God. No, you said I could have it all, right? This is right before Quinn was born. We thought we had insurance. Insurance, um, the company got, got uh, sued by the FCC, um, the federal or trade commissioner, whoever does that. Yeah, whoever, and what we had been paying for for insurance didn't end up being insurance, and we ended up having, Quinn was breached, and we had to have a C-section and had all these, you know, things come up in that process. And it was about 20 grand deep on the birth of Quinn that we had to pay out of pocket. Do you know what? God gave us double what we owed in the course of three months. Listen. There's vows that we make that are good vows between you and the Lord. And those vows, those commitments that we miss, we need to re-up those commitments that the Lord has asked from you. Are you guys okay with that? All right. I feel like I muddled some of the details in that story, but the the as far as like exact timing. Um, but... That's exactly what happened. So praise the Lord. Yep. God ultimately fulfills every promise to Jacob. Even after he blunders a bunch more, gets hoodwinked by his uncle multiple times, right? He even deceives himself a few times. He eventually has a moment of reconciliation with his brother, right? So God reconciles him with his brother, right? And then six years after that, he ends up burying his father with his brother in Hebron, right? And Hebron is known as the place where Adam and Eve were buried. It's also the place where Abraham and um, and Isaac were buried. It's a very important burial ground. In fact, right now over the tomb of the patriarchs is uh, one of the most private, Islamic mosques in the world, it's, they made it a holy site. Pretty crazy, because it's Abraham's tomb. Pretty, I mean, it's just, it just is. There's only been one, one non-Muslim ever to enter that site. It's pretty crazy. God had a promise to fulfill, and in order to fulfill it, he encountered Jacob. God revealed himself in a dream. You know, for many of us, God has revealed himself through the word, through the prophetic insights of the people around us, and through his Holy Spirit in us. God has a promise that he wants to fulfill in your life. And in order to fulfill his promise to you, he's going to encounter you. So, Kind of in summary, remember, you don't earn your promises. Jacob didn't earn his. You don't earn yours. God sanctifies where we are, not just where we're going, right? He sanctifies where we are. It's not somewhere in the distance that you can meet with God. It's not somewhere further on your journey. Where you're at today, God wants to meet with you. Right here, right now. Remember, God meets us when we rest. Even if you're on a rock pillow, God meets us when we rest. Stop running. There are times in life where it's busy. Stop running. And I've said this before, there's only one place in Scripture where we see the Father running, and it's in the story of the prodigal. Everywhere else, Jesus walked. Everywhere else, Jesus is a walking God. Even in the midst of disappointment, Lazarus dies. No, we'll walk. We'll take our time. We're going to be okay. I still got some things to do. I'm going to go bring resurrection power. He's walking. Stop running. Rest. 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 There is nothing more God is requiring of you in order to meet with you. Just ask him to come. Jesus declared the Holy Spirit would come. And what Peter declared to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost is still the same in Acts 2. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Right? Lastly, guys, let's walk with integrity. Let's walk with integrity. Follow through with your vows that you've made to the Lord. This is for me. Follow through with your vows. Follow through with your commitments, right? The things that you have said are, God, follow through with it. Follow through. Finish. Don't stop. Don't change course because you don't see the timing working out. Don't change course. If the Lord said it, keep going. If the Lord said it, keep going. We trip ourselves up all the time because we're waiting for this glorious moment. And He's like, find the rock pillow and I'll meet you. Right? Call it my rock instead of my pillow, my rock. The reality is this is about integrity. When we've made a commitment, we have to follow through with our commitments. Amen? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is the beautiful thing about the Lord here. Jacob makes the vow and he does it. After 14 years of being hoodwinked, He does it. After coming back to Bethel, he comes back to this place before he meets with Esau because he's like, I got to meet with God again. And he gets wrestled to the ground and his hip gets put out of socket and this amazing encounter that he has like, I need your blessing because he's deathly afraid of dying. God still met him. Even when he doubted. And listen, when he was doubting, he went back to the place where he knew he heard God. This means that when you are really uncomfortable, rest and let God meet you where you're at. Amen? Even if it costs you, if it was the Lord, he didn't fall back on his promises. Walk it out. Amen? Now, the Spirit is here to empower you for your journey. The Spirit of God is here to empower you for your journey. The Spirit is in you to empower you for your journey. You've received from the Holy Spirit so that you can walk it out. So that you can walk it out. So that when it's uncomfortable and things aren't working out the way that I want them to, you can walk it out. Because the Spirit is with you. He has promised His presence. He has promised His presence. When I'm uncomfortable, I need more of His presence. Why? He's the comforter. He's the comforter. All right, will you stand with me? Let's just receive from the Holy Spirit as he empowers us to walk out our vows, right? And if there's any unholy vows, any vows that have not aligned with the word of the Lord over your life, any vows that we've made, I will nevers, I will never do that or I'll never be like, I'll never allow for that or that will never, come on, we just need to give that to the Lord and ask him to completely wipe that slate clean. He needs to wipe that slate clean. So come on, church, just begin to call out those areas in your own heart before the Lord. God, I'm asking that you would just begin to move in every heart right now to begin to receive from you your mercy and your grace over the areas where we have made vows that are not from you, that have made vows when we've made vows that are not from you. And Heavenly Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name that every vow that has been made out of self-protection, every vow that has been made about our failures and the pain and the hurts and the wounds that we received, I break those right now in Jesus' name. I command every unholy vow in your life broken. And instead of the old attachment, we attach ourselves to your presence, and we attach ourselves to your promises that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, you will never reject us, you will never push us away, you will never put us in that position. And God, I thank you that when those things come up, Father, we'll know to just bring them to you and say, God, I'm going to give you this vow I said that I would never be like that person or I would never do that thing that happened to me. Father, if we notice it, I pray you would give us courage to break the vow and just give ourselves wholly to you, wholly unto your redemption in our lives. And Lord, I thank you that you do vow. You made the vow that you will be present with us. You made the vow that you will teach us, that you will comfort us, that you will guide us, that you will direct us, that you will discipline us, that you will correct us. You will make us walk in the path of righteousness. And God, I thank you that that comes out of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not out of a rough, tough hand that beats us up. It comes in gentleness, and it comes out of this place where you begin to birth things in us that correct us. You begin to birth things in us that move us into the right path. Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that every person here would encounter your Holy Spirit in those places where they have felt like they've been missing it with you, where they felt like they have fallen down on their duty, where they have felt like they are missing it because, God, you did require something of them. You did ask them to make a vow, and you did ask them to fulfill a commitment where they have dropped the ball Father, I pray your grace and your mercy would cover them to pick it back up and start fresh today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, we bless you, Lord. We declare your glory over every person here. Holy Spirit, will you just come and minister grace, minister reconciliation, minister restoration into hearts right now. Father, I want you more than anything else. I want to be with you. I want to encounter you. And Lord, I am asking in Jesus' name that you would reveal your power and your glory as we entrust every decision to you, as we entrust more and more power to you. God, as we give our will to you. Father, we do vow to turn our entire lives over to you today. We make the commitment in our heart that you are the Lord of everything in our lives. Come on, are you able to make that commitment, God, to, to make him Lord over every area of your life? Father, if there's a renewal that needs to happen, if there's distance, God, I pray that gap would be closed right now. And you would renew their hearts to just give it all to you. No matter the cost. No matter the comfort. But God, you would show up in power because you bless. You are the God that brings your presence. And there is no greater blessing than to walk with you. So we want you in every part of our life, God. So we entrust it to you. And God, I make a vow that I am going to do everything I can not to put my hand on it. God, we've vowed this ministry is yours. This house is yours. This city is yours. This region is yours. And God, forgive us when we take it out of your hands and think that we got the wisdom to do it. Forgive me, God. We place it all in your hands today. Come on, just let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Just let Him minister to your heart. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to connecting with you.